Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in chapter 6 of John and we're going to go through verses 53 through 71 and we'll wrap it up. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, I felt like I rambled too much yesterday giving you my insights and whatnot and I I don't really think I, I, I don't like it very much when I do that. So I'm going to, since it's only a couple, you know, it's not a very long set of verses, and there's a lot to be said about it, though. There's a lot of sermons on it. I'm going to read you some of what um, Charles Spurgeon m- talked about um, when he's going through this passage, and he he commit he actually had a number of sermons on this very sermon or message. So, anyways, with that, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this day, and I'm just grateful grateful for all that you've done. I lift up this time. I pray that you would be the author of it, that you would be the one that speaks, and that it would be your words, your intent, your, your vision, your message that we hear. I fa- pray, Father, for you to be in control. And may we have submitted hearts May we have humble hearts, and may our spirits be wide open to you, and may we fellowship with you in spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm going to summarize, do a quick summary though, of what's basically happening, and then also a little bit of what Spurgeon says, so you can think about it as we read. Um, <clears throat> number one, we're gonna, as we read, and we've, we've already read how Jesus is talking about, you need to eat my flesh, you need to drink my blood to have eternal life and to live forever. Whoever does that lives forever. Well, a lot of theologians will draw the analogy and say that, oh, he was alluding to the upcoming um, Lord's Supper. And that by saying that, they lose their argument because A, the Lord's Supper hadn't happened yet, and there were believers already. So how do you reconcile that? That's what Spurgeon will say. And if it's the Lord's Supper, can it be the Lord's Supper he's alluding to? And it's no, because it hadn't taken place yet. No, because innocent children that die before they've ever had a chance to take communion, they still go to heaven because they're innocent. No, because believers in prisons and other parts of the world, other situations where they've never been able to have the Lord's Supper, they still go to heaven, right? They're still his. And also because, you know, finally Spurgeon will point out the Quakers. So they don't believe in it. It just goes back to really showing that this is all about a spiritual discussion. Unfortunately, the crowds, and often me, I'm so at times focused on my belly button, the world that revolves around it. You know, and just like the crowds, the crowds were just really pumped because Jesus gave them food. He gave them manna. Or, or, you know, the, ver- the earthly version, or today, you know, that, that version of it, the fish and the, the bread. And they're really just thinking about how he could really just serve their, their physical needs. And once again, Jesus is talking about spiritual things. And eventually we'll read that, the, that there's, there's some disciples who leave him. And he knew they, where their hearts were anyways, but... 
they leave him again because they're thinking of the physical, the tangible, the literal meaning and not realizing the spiritual nature of Christ and us. So anyways, with that thought from Spurgeon in our heads, let's go ahead and read the entire scripture and then we'll all read some of his sermon. So verse 53, let me get my, my Kindle fired up here so it's easier for me to read. All right, so verse 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, verse 60, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. So it's interesting, right at that point, you wonder what what is Judas thought, right? He's like, oh, oh. but he still hung out because he, for whatever reason, his plan but you just wonder what went through all of their minds at that time. But I think it's interesting also that the 12, they got it, right? They got it. They understood. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So they knew him. They knew it, who he was and what he was all about and who sent him. So I find that to be very interesting. It's a great, you know, chapter six is just amazing. So let's go ahead and uh, read real quick a little bit from Charles Spurgeon. Again, remember he's writing or preaching. And I think this one was actually the date on this sermon was 1876, um, April. And it was in London. So he writes, Our Lord Jesus did not, in this passage, allude to the Lord's Supper as some, desiring to maintain their sacramental superstitions, have dared to affirm. A lot of the church states and has stated throughout history that if you don't have, if you don't take the sacrament, you never go to heaven. 
I will not dwell upon that argument, that there was no Lord's Supper at the time to allude to, though there is certainly some force in it. But I will rather remind you that within, with such an interpretation, this passage would not be true. It must be confessed even by the most ardent advocate of the sacramental meaning that the expressions used by our Lord are not universally and without, without exception true if used in that sense, for it is not true that those who have never eaten the Lord's Supper have no life in them. Since it is confessed on all hands that hundreds and thousands of children dying in childhood are undoubtedly saved, and yet they have never eaten the flesh of Christ nor drank his blood, if the Lord's Supper is, meant, is here meant. Man, they, they spoke differently, didn't they? Just a little bit different structure in their grammar. There have also been many others in bygone times who, by their conduct, proved that the life of God was in their souls, and yet they were not able, able to eat bread at the sacramental table because of sickness, banishment, imprisonment, and other causes. Surely there are some others, though I would not excuse them, who have neglected to come to that blessed commemorative or ordinance, and yet, nevertheless, for all that, they are truly children of God. Would the highest of, human, of high churchmen ever send away a Quaker? however holy and devout, down to the bottomless pit? If this should refer to the Lord's Supper, then it is certain that the dying thief could not have entered heaven, for he never sat down at the communion table, but was converted on the cross, and without either baptism or the Lord's Supper, went straight away with his master into paradise. So there's really pretty, inter- you know, so that he goes on for quite a while. So then he goes into... First, then, what is meant by eating the flesh and drinking the blood of Christ? It is a very, very beautiful and simple metaphor. When understood to refer spiritually to the person of our Lord, the act of eating and drinking is transferred from the body to the soul, and the soul is represented as feeding, feeding upon Jesus as the bread of life. Eating is the taking into yourself of something which exists externally, which you receive into yourself and which becomes part of yourself and helps to build, build you up and sustain you. That something supplies a great need of your nature. And when you receive it, it nourishes your life. That is the essence of the metaphor. And it well describes the act and the result of faith. So, at the end of the day, at the, the final parts of all of this, it's the feeding of Jesus, him feeding our spirits, us spiritually, drinking in and communing with him, that sustains us just as bread and water sustains us today. His word and feeding upon and with our spirits connecting with his, that's our spiritual food. And that's what sustains us spiritually. Again, we're spiritual beings with a human body. Most of us tend to, including myself, most of the time, think the body is the main focus. When in reality, Christ tells us, body is nothing it's all about your spirit your spirit is everything your body is nothing so it's that shifting and transition of our thinking of our thought process it's a paradigm shift much as when i finally got you know kind of grasped it where again tozer said we're we're not we're not humans with a spirit or animals with a spirit we're spiritual beings with a human body. Just as we are made in God's image, God is spirit, so are we. So when we 
we tend to focus on just eating food, physical, but we also have to take care of our spiritual bodies, our spiritual side and feed that. And the way we feed that is through Christ and reading and understanding, praying, communing with him, having our spirits fellowship with him and fellowshipping, worshiping him, as it said in a previous chapter, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. That's how we feed our spiritual side. So how do we do that? Right? That's what this journey is all about, right? This is why we read every day. It's why we go through this every day. We're trying to grow and we're nourishing our spiritual side, not just our physical. So with that, I'm going to just close this up with prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done. I'm grateful for the way you love me and care about me. I just lift up my friends out there. And I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that we would truly do your will. That we would understand how to fellowship with you and on a spiritual level and to really understand the spiritual nature that we have. We've spent so long of our lives focused on the physical and not the spiritual. I just pray that you would help us to understand the spiritual side of our lives and how we really can fellowship with you every moment of the day on a spiritual level. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you and I'm grateful for all you've done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a wonderful day.